Good morning, Saints. Saints, how y'all been? Y'all been good? Saints, I'm sorry I've been gone so long. See, what had happened was the audio was just trash for this show. I, I just had to be 100% honest with y'all. Keep it 100. So what you're hearing now is the results of me going to YouTube University. I'm still going, trying to see if I can get this right. So let me know if the audio sounds better. Since the last time we talked, the country has been going to hell in a handbasket, child. We are in a global pandemic. We're supposed to be practicing social distancing, but people's out their houses. People still ain't washing their hands, doing what they're supposed to be doing. It's just been a lot. But during this time, it seems that gospel music is having this moment. It all started when Kurt Franklin did this IG live where he did a full set with a small band and some singers. Then the Clark Sisters movie came out on Easter weekend in April. Over 2 million people viewed that movie. It, it was like a trending topic on Twitter. It was big. Then it was the versus battle that Timberland and Swiss Beat started. Um, John P. Key and Hezekiah Walker participated and had over 90,000 people watching. So it's been this this moment for the gospel music industry. So I asked my homie Jerome if he wanted to sit down and talk about all the stuff that's been going on. And he agreed. So we sat down and talked about the golden era of gospel music, which is the 80s and 90s. What's currently going on right now in the industry, some of our favorite artists, and just a whole lot of stuff in between. So I really hope y'all enjoy this episode, Saints. Thank you for tuning in once again. Good morning, Saints. Saints! Oh my gosh, I haven't been on here in so long. I am just glad to be back. And I have a friend with me. You heard him before in season one. We were talking about love, sex, and relationships. Tonight we're going to do something a little bit different. But welcome back, Mr. Jerome Scott. Hello, everybody. How are you doing? Good morning, Saints. Good morning. Oh, goodness. Yes, yes, (laughs) yes, yes. Good morning, Saints. So, Jerome and I, we love gospel music. So first of all, we're church kids. Jerome is a PK. Jerome, talk about your life a little bit. Talk about your life. Yeah, Um, I was a pastor's kid. So, you know, judge me how you feel. You need to judge me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, So I'm a pastor's kid. I uh, came up in church, grew up in church my entire life. Uh, I also grew up in the gospel music industry within Philadelphia specifically. Um, Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. um, Mm -hmm. At a a time when I think every Philadelphia had a a gospel music resurgence. We were like the babies of a a larger grouping of Mm -hmm. gospel music uh, Mm -hmm. that that has really been pushed throughout Philly. And we, we came as like a second wave after the 90s wave. So we right, the early two thousands. Early two thousands, and there were a million groups that popped up. Um, I was on a group by name Joy Unlimited. If you're from the Philadelphia or the tri-state region, um, you know Joy Unlimited well. If you were around during that time, uh, PJ Owens and Beyond Praise. I was also. If you mm-hmm. want to check them out, I'll give them a shout out right now. I definitely um, heard of PJ. Love yeah, because that. Their albums, that album is still on Spotify and Apple Music, because you can look that up. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Shout that out. Shout that out. Let's get some play on that. still out there. So I'm going to give you, I'm, you know, PJ, I got you, brother. Um, but Yo, yeah, Philly support Philly. Philly support Philly, Philly, Philly all day. Philly. So we're talking about from a time that was about 2001 to maybe about 2011, 2012, around that time. 
um, that I was really heavily involved. I've done little things with gospel music, every, you know, here and there. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Church, gospel music, that has been my entire life from the age of like, the church has been my entire life, but gospel music has been my life since the age of about 13 to, and it trickles in un, until now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so like 20 years. Right. So there's a relationship. Absolutely. With gospel music. There is a, you know, an understanding of the style and the tone and the and the genres with genres within the genre of gospel music. Mm-hmm. I think a lot uh, of people, yeah. if you don't know gospel music, you don't know there are genres within the gospel music genre. Yes, and there are genres that I hate um, within the gospel music <laughs> genre. While I love gospel music as a whole, You're I absolutely right. cannot stand, and I will say this proudly: I cannot stand quartet. Oh my God. <laughs> Take my safeguard. Yes, oh. I wasn't baptized in Jesus' name. I went down in the Trinity. So y'all can take it, do whatever. But I do, not, joy. I do oh. not like quartet <laughs> style. Oh my God. Okay. So I had to get that off my chest. I had to get that That's off my fair. chest. And you know what else I can't, I don't really like that much? It's not mm-hmm. considered gospel, but it will be considered under or under the inspirational umbrella. Okay. CCM. And I do not like CCM and how it has come into the gospel music genre, like the traditional I, gospel music sound and gospel music genre. I agree with that. And I think contemporary. That, that's been a marketing thing. That's been on purpose. And I think, you know, that that lie that the underlying theme with that is, you know, uh CCM is white. Yeah. And white people make more money than us, yeah, <laughs> as yeah. far as an industry is concerned. And once they get their hold on it, black people have to chase the dollar. And once that, w- once we find out like we're behind the eight ball a little bit, we have to create, we almost have to uh, cross over into CCM Ooh. in order to get that respect. And it, it it's, yeah, you know I mean, you look at that. You got the Stella Awards and you got the Dove Awards. I was just about to say that, but we getting ahead of ourselves, Jerome. We getting ahead of ourselves. I'm gonna pull back. Put a, That's why. Put I a linchpin. Put a linchpin. Put a linchpin. There, we're gonna talk right about there. the many genres <laughs> of gospel music. Okay, so before we get into that, when did you fall in love? I'm gonna ask you, like, uh, in Brown Sugar, when did you fall in love with hip hop? When did you fall in love <laughs> with gospel music? When did you fall in love with gospel music? The first gospel song that I actually fell in love with had kind of catapulted me into falling in love with gospel was Ricky Dillard's More Abundantly. Ooh, um, yes, child. Yeah, yes. I, was a, I was probably two or three when that song came <laughs> out. And that was the song. I could direct it at three uh, years old. Yes, um, oh my God. Woo. And it's it's one of those songs that is a, it, it once you, you know it once it comes on. Yes. You oh know, it has and, that and the, feel. The re-release he did. Uh, what oh, are your absolutely. thoughts on the re-release? I like, I think the re-release is just fun. I think it's just fun. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's 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 a, it's fun and it's like almost a stunt. Like, y'all y'all still remember I do have this. Like, yes. Oh, gosh. Like, <laughs> this uh-huh. is my jam. Like, this still get it going. <laughs> like that that song brings brings back so many memories. Because in the, in the Philadelphia area, the church circuit in the Philly area is tight. It really mm-hmm. is tight, especially if you have a good choir. Right. My childhood church had a great choir. Um, our choir director, one of, one of the choir directors is now Bishop 
the other is a pastor, Pastor Caprice Griggs. She used to direct more abundantly. And I just got to shout her out because <laughs> I was a kid more abundantly. And um, what was the other song? Jesus is his name. Were both Ricky. Oh, songs. wow. Yes. So yes. she mashed them. She mashed them together. And so, you know, in um, more abundantly, you know, there's the breakout of of the parts, you know, doing their, you know, right. joy, 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 or joy. And so she, um, she would start off with um, Jesus is his name. That would be the song to go that leads it out. Mm-hmm. And then they would get the power, power in his name. And it's a fast, like, hand yes. clapping, Pentecostal, it's a dry, it's driving. drive, tent revival type song. <laughs> like, you sing that when people's getting hands laid on them. Like, Absolutely. That's, that's, a, that's a song that drives the service. And so she would get to the, the end of Jesus is his name, and she would have them do joy. And they would have to modulate up to that joy, oh, joy, 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 joy. Oh. And they would, kip. when I say people be running around that church, Oh my God, people will be running around their church. Oh my God. That shout out to the mass choir, the original mass choir, the Community Bible Deliverance Church Mass Choir, CBDC. They used to kill, we used to get invited to funerals to sing. (laughs) They used to get invited. I just remember how they just set the church on fire. So I'll I'll give you that. It does a thing. It does a thing. And from that moment on, it's there's been uh especially for that's that style of gospel has always been my fallback. Mm-hmm. Like if I ever just want, if I ever want to listen to just gospel music, it's very difficult for me to go into a long, um, delve into the, the, the deep rabbit hole of this, the solo artists mm-hmm. and the, you know, the more modern contemporary sounding things. No, I, I, at the end of the day, I fell in love with choirs Mm-hmm. and choirs give me that feel mm-hmm. i don't know if it's a it's a call back to you know a simpler time um you know that type of nostalgia i don't know exactly if that is the is is the reason why i love choirs so much but that made me fall in love from that moment it was the feeling of that that choir can bring out Right, maybe fall in love, and that was you know three, four years old. And and it's the sound of a choir, like the, the sound, like a yes. good choir. Oh my god, a good choir! Absolutely, Ooh. absolutely. Mm-mm-mm. And as like, it's it's nothing like, and especially like being part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and this is for anybody listening. Like you could actually Google clips of Joy Unlimited. Um. If y'all, you know, so desire Google clips of Joy Unlimited, just Joy Unlimited. Talk you can ask your Jerome. I know the Saints gonna listen to this, so I'm not gonna cuss. Talk your stuff, <laughs> like, if I, I just throw it out there. Like, if you Google clips, like, that's what we did. Like, we showed up. It was like, you know, on any given day, 50 to 70 of us there of kids, you know, ranging from, you know, eight, wow. ages like 10 to 35. You know, all together, all doing songs. I mean, movement, sound, like everything. Yo, that's the best part of being on a choir. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I call good church. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And there were there were a few, there were a few Joy Unlimited. Uh who else had a good when I say a good choir, I'm thinking churches too, because there were people that had choirs. There were, there were churches there. Community choirs and yep. church choirs. 
Um, BMO had when I say BMO, BMO, <laughs> somebody told me Salita, my friend Salita, shout out or our friend Salita, we went to college her, shout out mm-hmm. to Salita. She she had a joke about BMO. She said when you get saved or when they you become a new member, they take you to the back and you have to drink some special water. They give to everybody, <laughs> and that's how all of them come out singing. When I say you can give, you could give a mic to anybody in that church, yeah, and they man. could light the roof. They could set the roof up. BMO, Dr. BMO. Gardner, that was a Kirk Kojic church. Yeah, shout and out Pastor. Chico Robinson. Yeah, Chico, Alice Martin, yo. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah Alice memories. Martin, yeah. Yeah. Memories, man. Those are memories. We used to have our youth explosions together. My church in BMO. Yo. Oh, wow. No, that's, okay. So I know that was lit. <laughs> yo, yo, it used to be a party. When I tell you it was a party, it was a party. So yeah, we have Philly, Philly especially has something, or I'll say that entire, the tri-state area has something special. Absolutely. When it came to gospel music. And you could just go, you could go to any church in Philly and really find like one person that has that like complete style of singing and just a beautiful tone. Like it's so crazy. Have some good singers. Yeah. Philly is is jam-packed. A lot of times I would I get into to just discussions with people when they talk about who can sing and it nine times out of ten if they're not from Philly, it's like, do you realize I can call people, literally pick up my phone and make a phone call to someone who can sing down. Right. And then right out of church. Right. Like, right. <laughs> like sing down. Like any anybody that you want to put up here that's a mainstream artist, they can sing down and sing them under the table. Exactly just from right. my phone. Exactly right. Like Philly is just so blessed. Like the, the church area, the church world, mm-hmm. and just community choirs are just so blessed by the amount of talent there is in Philly. So absolutely. Speaking of talent. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of talent, and I think I know that your answer is going to be to this question, but it takes a lot of talent to shift the culture mm-hmm. and church culture. Church culture, right. is, it is hand-in-hand. <laughs> hand. Church culture, and I'll say this, Black church culture and um, Black popular culture, like hip-hop, R&B, all those things, mm-hmm. they do have a, there's, there's an intersection there. Absolutely. But black church culture does have its own things, but it's because so many of us grew up in the church, it spills over into black popular culture. Absolutely. Like you, so, you'll see it everywhere. We can you'll pick see it on social media, right? You'll see it on social media. But what artist has been so talented that they have been, or I won't even use the word talented, influential? What artist, in your opinion, has been the most influential to gospel music? Like they have shifted culture within gospel music, black church culture, and it spilled over a little bit into black popular culture mainstream, and, and possibly mainstream culture. Okay. Uh, so the music snob in me wants to say things like, you know, James Cleveland and Walter <laughs> Hawkins. <laughs> those are the answers we're supposed to say. Those are the answers we're supposed to say. That's what we're supposed to say. to say. But when I say, like, <laughs> shifted culture... When I like, say yes, shift culture, yeah. When I say uh, shifted culture, who was such an influence? They impacted gospel music, black church culture, and yes, James Cleveland and Walter Hawkins mm-hmm. in their own rights. Because what was the song that Walter Hawkins came out with that the church didn't want him because he was Kojic before? Right. What, was, what song was that? Oh, uh, Happy Day. 
Oh, happy day. They said it was too, it was too contemporary. They didn't it's like too it. too contemporary. Right. I mean, James, was, James Cleveland was singing Jesus is the best thing that ever happened. Right. Which is and, just and we consider that night. traditional gospel music now. Right. We right. consider that gospel music now traditional, but back then it was contemporary and they were getting kicked out of the church for making it. Absolutely. James Cleveland, Gladys Knight sang it the night before at some event and he sang it the next day. Talk about some Jesus is the best. Like, first of all, that is that somebody should have sued him. And we're yes, going like, to talk about that, too. How like, many gospel artists should have been sued or vice versa? Gospel artists that have, should have sued artists in the um, mm-hmm. secular industry. That's what Christians say. The secular industry the secular. and people from the secular industry that should have sued <laughs> gospel artists for taking their music. Right. Twinkie Clark, I love Twinkie. you, but my, gla- my God, you, you ripped my You should have been sued. You like, should have been sued, Twinkie. <laughs> <laughs> God, look, I'm a Clark sister stan. Twinkie right. is my favorite Clark. Because without Twinkie Clark, there is no Clark sisters. No, there is no Clark sisters. This is no Clark. Maddie taught them to the blend, but Twinkie gave them the sound. There is Twinkie no... Twinkie gave them that. There's no Clark sisters without Twinkie Clark. But mm-hmm. baby, she, she definitely... I'm not going to say it. <laughs> uh, let's keep moving. Anyway. So who... Aside from the music snob, not the Walters, not the... Mm-hmm. G- who, would you, who would you say is the most influential uh, artist? And it sounds so cliche, but for those of you who think that gospel music has gone too far, you think we've got too radical with our message. Well, I got news for you. You ain't heard nothing yet. And if you don't know, now you know. know. Glory, glory. Yo, when that man used to come out, like that nigga, excuse me for calling Kurt Franklin a nigga, I apologize. But that nigga came out in a box cut in a children's JCPenney suit. (laughs) <laughs> with some penny loafers and would get up and say if you don't know now you know glory glory and the whole crowd would be in it right. like we would be rocking Kurt it, Franklin it, yeah, yeah Kurt Franklin has yeah, he possibly made cool. he made it cool he was the first he made cool, cool person yep. like the cool guy it's like Kirk is cool like no yeah. like He's a cool person. You can talk to him. He's relatable. Yep. He's, you know, it, he's, it, transparent. he's transparent. There's nothing snobbish about him. And he can maneuver in both worlds mm-hmm. without being, without looking like I'm trying to be a part of this world. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like you, he's always made his own lane. Right. Right. Like wherever he goes, right. that's Kurt. Like that's right. Kurt's. That's his domain. When right. it, it's so it's so crazy. Where I watched him on the Breakfast Club, and mm-hmm. they had to they they begin to adjust their conversation because he just flowed with what they were doing. But just his presence there and his answers made them like change how they they were approaching his questioning. And very few people do that with a with a not Charlemagne. with Charlemagne. Yeah, because he could, right. Yeah. And that's but big. He, that is big. He got him to kind of, without saying it to him, like, I need you to change your line of questioning. It was like, you don't have to change your line of questioning. I'm going to answer it in a way that's still going to be me, but not compromise anything about myself. And I think right. with right. that, it, he's been, the, the style of music, that what he's been able to put um, into, into music, I mean, just saying stuff on on albums like uh, You Can Bump This In Your Jeeps. 
Right. One time like, for your holy man. Right. Like, what? like one time for your holy man. What? Just incorporating certain sounds, being being the guy that goes out and puts a sample on a record, a gospel record, like sampling and putting it on a gospel record and not taking a gospel song. Sampling. Right. Sampling <laughs> Earth, Wind and Fire. Right. Earth, Wind and Fire. And 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 you know. Patrice Russian and right. taking those songs and putting them on like funk, old school R and B, like old school pure R and B. Yes, and, like and and making it gospel, like yeah, yeah. When we talk about influence, uh, this modern sound of of gospel can all kind of be traced back to him breaking down those barriers. Mm, uh-huh. in that especially when it comes to the young person doing gospel that we're all chasing kurt right right because he reinvented what young cool and saved was right 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 he, he reinvented was, what young cool and saved was he, he's gospel's jay-z like there were people before him wow that is a great analogy yeah like he's gospel that is a that's a great comparison excuse me that's a mm-hmm. great comparison yeah like when where Jay-Z is like, it's like we can, people can say a lot about Jay-Z, but one thing you can't say is that the man is not, if he's not your great, the greatest rapper in your mind, which is fine. You, yep. If you say anything, if you say more than three rappers ahead of him, you look like a hater. Right. If, if he's not in your top five DOA. Right. You, you honestly are a hater. You're a hater. Like yeah. you're an absolute hater, and and that's where it comes from with Kirk. Is if he's not in your top five gospel artists, and uh, I, I made this argument. I was discussing this with my brother maybe a few months ago, and I I believe Kirk Franklin should be first. Well, one of the few gospel artists that gets a uh, uh, should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I can agree with that. I, I believe definitely he agree should with that. Be there, like it, that uh, the amount of work and influence that he's had. Um, over a multitude of genres and and effortlessly being played across all platforms, being played on the gospel station and being played on the R&B station, uh, put his fingerprint on each of those and and not have it. I mean, Why We Sing was on the R&B station. Yes. And that's legit a gospel song. Like, there is nothing, like, R&B-ish like, about it. It's when we lift our song. hands to Jesus? To Jesus. What do we really mean? Are you, what? <laughs> that shouldn't be, I remember they played that 105.3. Yep. W-D-A-S. <laughs> That's the station for Philly, y'all. The station for Philly. Hey, look, y'all deal with it. <laughs> WDS is a staple in Philadelphia. It will all it ain't never going to die. My mom used to never. do um the promos for fourteen eighty WDAS. Oh, fourteen eighty the AM right there. Come on, we now. have the gospel station. I can give you that. I can give you that. I thought you were going to say somebody else. Oh, really? I thought you were going to say, and we can introduce him now. I really didn't tap into all of his genius until mm-hmm. I went to college, and that was that is B Slate, aka Tone. Uh, 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 the uh, reason why I say that I know how much Jerome loves B Slate Tone, and I am a fan, like a brother, like he's yo, like he's like we're related. <laughs> yo, I am such a fan of B Slate because the um, what was that? Uh, um, what album was that that came out when we were in college? A brilliant catastrophe. 
that was his alpha season. and beta because yep, there were two seasons of them. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was two. It was two. I remember when the first one dropped on the Bandcamp website, mm-hmm. and what I heard, I listened to the song, and I it just heard in its raw purity, like storytelling in a gospel music format Absolutely. for a Christian, like the element of storytelling that's in hip hop. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be found in blues and in other forms of black music. Mm-hmm. He has it in the gospel, in the gospel genre, but he's not telling a story about Jesus. He's talking about himself or his life. Which that, that is what amazing. got me. That's what got me. And so of course, you know, I loved him when he was Tone. Mm-hmm. Um with um, what was that album? O2. That's when I first really found out about Tony. O2. O2. So you jumped in with O2. So that's yeah. the God is not for God. Dad. Yeah. But no, my song was about a thing. Oh, uh, that was the one that... That was uh, supposed to be, which I found out on Twitter, Jerome Arvino, yes. because he's a fan. <laughs> <laughs> that was supposed to be Tony's crossover song, but his yeah. label... Was he, what was it? He was he was signed to Variety... Which which was it? He was signed um, to one label. Verity, yeah. it, Verity was like... It, it, it's It's like these... Labels and this is like music biz talk for people. Um, mm-hmm. Labels labels are just subsidiaries of larger corporations. So you're if you're signed to a label, so the people that were signed to Rockefeller are also signed to somebody else. Right. Um, so you're not just signed to this label. So the label can want you to do something, but the larger company, the parent company, may say no, you're not doing that. So a lot of his stuff got caught up. It, his personal desires basically got caught up in label talk. Like, so I believe mm, it was mm. Verity, Verity, which is a predominantly gospel um, label. Verity wanted him to stay gospel, but he that that's not what the parent company was right. right. So he got he had a, the potential. He had right. the potential. Yes, he did. Right. And if you if you listen and followed his music after um, gospel, you hear things and you're like, yo, this was like, this is not this is not gospel. He was not gospel. He couldn't be limited um, by gospel. Yes, he could not be limited. And, And that was it was a disservice to him. Even when you go through the O2 album, if you listen to certain songs, you're like, that ain't. That ain't for it. Like, like that should have been his crossover <laughs> album. And they that label right. did do him extremely dirty. Absolutely. Like, I mean, and, he dis- yeah. Go ahead. He discusses it. Um mm-hmm. he discussed it way back. Um when I believe there's a quote directly from him where he says, uh, they came to him and asked him to do like make another stomp. And wow. he was like, yo, I'll go get Kirk to do it. Right. Like go get Kirk to do another stop. Like I don't. That's not what I'm doing. And and I believe that they were trying to. And this is I'm you know I want to speak for him, but I believe what they really wanted him. They wanted him to be the transcendent gospel artist. Mm-hmm. And the issue with artists is that you cannot label them so harshly. Um, especially creators like him and creators that think and flow like him. He, when I say that out of all the gospel artists and gospel producers and writers that I can name that I absolutely love, Donald Lawrence, Walter Hawkins, Hawkins mm-hmm. Richard Smallwood, 
Um, you know, I can, I can just name countless people who have been inspiring, but it's just something about him in particular, his music, his musicianship, um, what he writes, what he discusses, what he brings up in his music, who he has been, uh, being authentically himself, um, in the church eye as mm-hmm. a PK, as a pastor. As a PK, right. Yes. As a he pastor. became a pastor. <laughs> so, you know, I just, I really, I, I really do. I love that man straight up. Alpha, beta, yeah. what was that song? Um, I'm going away where he sampled. I'm uh, going Walter away. Hawkins. Yes. Yo, when everything happened with me, that song was like study on repeat. I think that song was my song. Oh, that's a beautiful song. Oh, that brings that that literally sent chills up my when I like you just saying that. Uh, no. I'm going away was an amazing song. Um, along with that was it was songs like "Did You Know" where he sampled uh, Diana Ross. Yes, um, from oh my Hagenu, God. Yes, he um, did. Which I thought was was oh, beautiful. Was so he sampled beautiful. another Billy. The Joel song he song did for his mom. For oh, his mom. With it. Yeah. Um, oh. it was it was so so that was so much. I mean, and then he had the fun stuff where it was like you know, Sister Sanctified. Right. Um, so he had stuff like that. And then he gave me what I love, WYD. That is my uh, yeah. <laughs> like WYD is my is because it's a full band and he's it's only two people that I will call the prince of gospel music, and that's mm-hmm. John P. Key. Yes. And B Slate. Because they yeah. literally can go in the studio. The thing I love about Prince, Prince can go in the studio by himself and come up with the album. Yep. John P. Key. And Tony B. Slade can go into a studio and come come without anybody else, come yep. out with the album, right? Produce, compose. So yes, B. Slade, all the things for B. Slade. So uh, influential Kurt Franklin, I thought it would be B. Slade. Who mm-hmm. do you think is the most slept on gospel artist? So this is one thing that I had a very, uh, a very interesting, it's, it's hard for me to do that because again, the, that's where the music snob says Tone B. Slate. But then I think about okay, it. Okay. And I'm like, he he's partially slept on because he left. So right. when you look at his stuff, it's like a lot of it isn't gospel, but the gospel that he did make is celebrated in the way that it should be celebrated. Like you put it on, everybody respects it. They know right. what it is. They hear it. They're like, I don't know. That's just what it is. So one, I... I a, a person I will say, and it, it may be two, maybe two that I believe that are, are kind of slept on. Um, and they're known. Really, it, it, first I'll say uh, Ricky Dillard. And to a lesser degree, um, Donald Lawrence. Boom, 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 boom. I will give you Donald Lawrence all day. Yeah. Um, I think we we don't, because, and again, as, as we've been going through this, this time period and everybody's been kind of reach, reaching and grabbing for gospel music to feel good, um, I've been running through people's catalogs just out of nowhere. Like, <laughs> like one day I'll just sit there and I'm like, what, what, mm-hmm. did, what don't I know by Fred Hammond? Right. Like, <laughs> That's when you I'll really go, love a genre, when you really love music. Right. Like, and I'll go through it. I'm like, I forgot about this song with Fred. I forgot this is my jam. And then I'll go. No. Um, so just recently, um, within the last few days, I went on a Ricky Diller and James Hall mm-hmm. thing. And I did not realize 
how much music Ricky Dillard has. Oh, yes. Ricky Dillard goes back to the 80s. Yeah, and it's like, yo, he Ricky goes back so to the much, 80s. So much. And then when you take into account Donald Lawrence, Donald Lawrence is yo. one of those unicorn people that yo. you don't know how much he, he's written and produced until you sit down and like read all the liner notes. I'm I'm just gonna say one thing about I'm gonna say one thing about Donald Lawrence and I'm gonna say one thing about um Ricky Dillard. Mm-hmm. During this whole pandemic, we're in a pandemic when people are listening to this <laughs> later, we are all stuck in the house. <laughs> like Jerome just mentioned it. But since we've been stuck in the house, gospel music is having this moment during this mm-hmm. pandemic. And it's interesting to see how the church, the black church has been struggling with what to do. Um, and we'll, we'll just dip our toe in theology for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, but the black church has been struggling on what to do because all of our lives or all of my life being saved was conflated with your church attendance. How much you were in a building mm-hmm. was a representation of how much you loved God. And so since we cannot leave our houses because it's a pandemic, um, the church has been wrestling with what to do. And so that's been a reason. Money has been a reason because a lot of these churches survive off the offerings, mm-hmm. whether, they, whether people are stealing or not. We're not going <laughs> to debate that tonight. Whether people are stealing or not. <laughs> um, churches rely on those offerings because they're doing several things with them. People have to be paid outside of the pastor, the right. musicians, the bills, the staff, you know, yep. people have to be paid. So, you know, there's a lot going on where pastors want churches to be open, but on social media and in our houses, we have been having these moments with gospel music. And I would say spirituality, spirituality that's disconnected from the church. Absolutely. The Clark Sisters movie dropped the beginning of April. Mm -hmm. 2.7 million people watched the Clark Sisters movie. Do you know how big that is? Like that's, that's huge. That's huge. And that's across, and when we were talking about viewership, that's across, that's people who haven't and taken just time the in their lives. Right. That was just the that's weekend. That's people who haven't taken time in their lives to even listen to gospel music on a regular basis. We're talking right. about reaching a groups of people who may have heard these names and may have, you know, the, in passing, seen some of these people cross their screens or or heard about these people in, in conversation with other people to, to see their story kind mm-hmm. of on this large platform. Like it's, it was, it's like, we, yeah. Hey guys, we have a moment here. <laughs> like, Yo, like this happened when I got on Twitter and think, first of all, I love Twitter. Shout out to Twitter. Shout, Shout out, out to Twitter. Add Dom underscore Devereaux. <laughs> follow me. Um, I am I am crazy, so follow me. I'm going to calm down because, you know, job. Uh, <laughs> but people were tweeting, like, the from me growing up in church, I didn't grow up Kojic. I grew up Kojic adjacent. We was one of them off-brand churches that was like Kojic everything and knew all the Kojic people in our um, district area, what would be our district. That was my church. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I knew the Clark sisters had come to my, like Twinkie Clark had come to my church several times in my childhood. So watching this like happen and seeing that Twinkie Clark is trending on Twitter, Denise Clark is trending on Twitter, mm-hmm. the Clark sisters lifetime. Like that was like, Oh my God. Like, 
the people I've looked up to, what I thought was cool, because gospel music was not cool. I don't care what anybody tells you. It was not cool to be a Christian in, in, in the 90s unless no, it was, it was like Hezekiah Walker or Kurt Franklin. And I wasn't, I couldn't be saved like that because the church thought they were worldly anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the saints did not like Kurt Franklin or Hezekiah Walker. That was only youth day music. They couldn't play that. You couldn't play that music any other time. We look back now and we sing melodies from heaven as a congregation. Oh, uh, yeah. Back in the day, no. That song mentioned the, the nothing kids. about, right. That song mentioned nothing about Jesus. So it had nothing to do with Jesus. It wasn't for the church. So, I mean, just watching like the things that I grew up with that I thought was cool, the Clark Sisters gospel music, Karen Clark Sheard trending was just so big. Mm-hmm. It was just so big. So, with gospel music having this this moment right now, I think we were talking about the slept on artist, Donald Lawrence. One thing I want to say about Donald Lawrence that was in connection with the Clark sisters, he produced or he was on the team of Karen Clark's first album called Finally Karen. Finally mm-hmm. Karen was released in 97. It was one of those gospel albums that shifted gospel music. Very much so. If you don't believe it, I want you to go back to 97. <laughs> and, and put on Bomb and Gilead. Put on Bomb and Gilead. Put on <laughs> Heaven. Oh, Heaven um, all the way. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Get on my nerves. <laughs> um, put on uh, Praying Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like just just give that album its due and look at what Karen Clark was nominated for just for her first album alone. Right. So that was like a cult- a cultural reset for the gospel community. It was a studio yeah. studio and live album. Yeah, and, and I don't and know. We got our first uh we got our first listen to, you know, Kira. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. Yes. First time okay. we heard Kira. All right, we won't get back to Kira because we're we're tying a bunch of things in right now. So mm-hmm. Donald Lawrence produced that album and I remember when they were talking about all the versus battles that they were doing Hezekiah Walker and John T.T. had one Mm -hmm. which is another big moment in gospel music that happened during the pandemic and they were like well who could Donald Lawrence battle and Donald was like look he released a tweet or something some type of statement and was like look even if I was bored I don't have the time I'm doing too much I don't care and all the saints was hurt like oh why did Donald say that to hurt our feelings Donald decided to get on live and just to talk about one album that was finally Karen. I think he did it mm-hmm. with Stanley, Stanley Brown. He's another great producer in gospel music. Mm-hmm. They sat down and talked about the production on each song. And I said, don't play with that man. Mm-hmm. Don't play with that man. Leave him alone. Leave if he him would alone. Demolish, if we did a battle, he would demolish anybody. First I said, oh, you know, Kurt Carr. And Kurt Carr, Kurt Carr being his bag, he gave us, Yes! always always so he gave <laughs> us that but he is not going toe-to-toe with donald lawrence not at all not at not all at he all. is not going toe-to-toe with donald lawrence um but yeah finally karen finally karen gave us a clark sisters reunion and he says please go look up that uh, interview Jesus y'all. If, is y'all, a love song. Yes. if y'all love gospel music if you love that album go look that video up it's on um it's on youtube um, where Donald Lawrence talks about his uh, the production and creation of Finally Karen. The Clark sisters didn't rehearse. He said the Clark sisters did not rehearse at all. <laughs> that was the first time they were singing together in like years. 
Dorinda, it was the first time Dorinda was given a part for that song. And they did it like perfect harmony, perfect blend. Is it to know that like, oh gosh. What? <laughs> like <It's ridiculous>. okay. <laughs> they didn't rehearse at all. They didn't rehearse. So that was one thing, one Jim off finally, Karen. Um, and one thing he told us, Heaven, mm-hmm. Karen, that the recording of Heaven that we um have, Karen was not with the choir. The choir laid down their vocals first. She came back in and recorded on top of them because that was supposed to be a Tri-City song. Oh. And he said during a rehearsal for Finally Karen, they were doing... um, That kind of makes sense for the structure of the song. And so they started singing. When you think about it, go Mm -hmm. back and listen to all his ad-libs. Yep. All his ad... Because Donald doesn't ad-lib a lot when he has a soloist. Right. He only ad-libs when he's keeping the you know keeping the morale and keeping the tempo of the song up by mm-hmm. himself that's the only time he ad-libs but he had karen in on the back end because the choir yep. started singing it for her and she loved it and he gave her that song that's a smoker too Good Yo. God. and he smoker. said this is the crazy thing and jerome as a singer you're gonna love this this is the last gym this is the last gym go y'all <laughs> go listen to that interview because there's so much more stuff he said did you know that was okay i'm not gonna say that i'm gonna keep going just go watch the interview um all the ad-libs on heaven and um bomb and gilead were written out by donald lauren are you serious and he helped karen place them oh my (laughs) think about the end of bomb and gilead the end of bomb and gilead (laughs) Jesus, I love that. That is wild to write that. You don't write that. For those who don't know, for those who are not singers or do not do not do anything about music, when artists go into a studio or in church or wherever you're going, you don't write ad libs. It's one of the beautiful things about uh, an artist, like just getting off, like an artist. If you go back to listen to "Free Yourself" by Fantasia, or um, yes. Uh, uh, Carl Thomas. Uh, I I wish I never, wish I never met her. Mm-hmm. They don't repeat an ad lib, and yeah. it's one of the beautiful things that it's like that there's something different every single time. Like they don't repeat anything. They just keep going, and it's beautiful because you know that's not written. That's coming off the top of the head. But right. to write like iconic ad libs, like those aren't just like ad libs. No. Those are ad libs that everybody if does. You need a lawyer. He'll meet you in the courtroom. That is crazy. <laughs> and we, if you know how she sings it, because the Clarks all have this thing where they do this deep growl. Yep. I don't know what they do, what they do in their throat, <laughs> but they all can do like this. <laughs> well, I will say uh, Karen and Twinkie. Twinkie started it and Karen picked it up and they do this thing, this growl, and she does it. And the way, knowing that he wrote that for her, that's crazy. And show her how to execute it. <laughs> Get that man his thing. Leave him alone. Leave that man Leave alone. Him Don't ask alone. him to battle nobody. Leave that man alone. <laughs> if y'all want to know more about Donald Lawrence, ask him to do a play-by-play of right. um, the finale. He told y'all, "Don't Look, go play I somewhere. Hear, I'm busy." I want to hear the play-by-play of the finale. I want to go. I want to hear about every song from the finale. That'll These be nails, four hours Blanche, 
these nails. I wanna I, oh. I look. I wanna talk about uh, what was it, Matthew eighteen? I wanna oh. talk about LaShawn Pace, and yet I'm still saved. Look. Yeah, yeah, come on. <laughs> Come on, that was my album for a while. I ain't gonna lie. Oh my <laughs> I god, that, that double like disc every day. That, that double, double disc. disc. I bought that CD. I did too. I made my dad <laughs> drop it at Tower Records on the boulevard. Shoot. <laughs> on the boulevard. It's about on the went, bully. Yes, on the boulevard. I think was it Tower Records? It was either Tower Records or Fye. Or Fye. I, of, I know I got mine from Fye at a mall. I believe it was either it was Fye and the Chamonix. Not in Chamonix, Franklin Mills. It was either in Franklin Mills, FYE, or whatever music store there was, or that was um, FYE in Franklin Mills. FYE or Tower Records or the Bully. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yo, yeah, yeah. That's, that's memories. <laughs> that is memories. But yeah, he he get and and Karen in that album gave us Kiera. So yes. we said we were saying something about Kiera, and I, I'll I'll mention Kiera's name or bring her back up because. I see, I still see, and I don't know why she's been out. She has had a career, not just from when she was nine years old, singing that song with her mom and pouring where her mom is singing, but like her own music since mm-hmm. I was a teenager. Like, absolutely. She, since she was a teenager. Yes. Right. And, it, yes. and now, you know, we're adults and it still feels like she's a slept on artist or she's still a rising artist. Like she hasn't yeah. hit her, she hasn't hit it yet. I don't know why I feel that way about her. I don't know if one thing um, that it's it's a it's something that happened with her and something I also believe happened with Smokey Norfolk in an opposite way. Mm, mm-hmm. I believe they were marketed wrong. Mm. So Kiera initially was marketed to kids, which was the right move. Right. Um, so I, I saw Kiera. Um, we sang at this gospel fest. I was with PJ Owens, Beyond Praise. We sang on this gospel fest. At, for those of you who are from Philly, there's a large church, New Covenant. It mm. has a large campus on Germantown Avenue in the Mount Airy section of, of Philadelphia. But they, there was a bookstore by the name of CLC. Oh, God. And CLC, yeah, I worked there. Oh, my God. Interesting story about Jesus. that. I ain't going to get into it, though. But, <laughs> I'll hear about that later. Go yeah. ahead. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but CLC put on a used to do like a gospel fest, and Kiara Shear happened to be there. Um, and we sang one there with with another artist. I'm going to name, and then we're not going to get into it because I can get into it. But if you know the name, you know. But Tony Moore and Jehovah's Chosen. So, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. he was on it. He was like. Almost the headline, so he was like Philly's headline. Yeah, yeah. Um, for that, and we like we were there. We we saw, and Kiera was there. Now this is about two thousand, and I want to say five. So she was just coming off. Of, she was. Uh-huh, yeah. Was that little yeah. song? Yeah. Yo, that, that was, was her, our. That, was, that was our. Excuse me, Saints. That was our. That was our song. Almost got. <laughs> <laughs> That, that was, was our song. That was our song. That was it. That was it mm-hmm. for the kids. Like, yep. you don't know. You don't yep. know. Yeah, what that's, that's what it was. You don't know. Yeah. When you hear it's it's four kids. It's it has that beat. <laughs> Damn, <that>. drum. <laughs> what it is? Oh, the song childish. <laughs> Go it, ahead. It is. Finish. It, Go it, ahead. It is childish. I mean, yes, it has that little youth choir bounce. <laughs> it has the bounce. I just got my bounce. first car. Yep. Let me drive. <laughs> yeah. Do, 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 do. It's a Going very to the skating party type yep. of yeah. 
It, it has that feel. And that's when she, you know, we thought at that moment, she's going to be the biggest thing ever. Yes. And it never panned yeah. out. Um, right. What happened? And I think, I think really after, after that, it's almost like, it, it's, it's like the people who were around her was like, don't make any more songs like that. <laughs> that's not funny. <laughs> and I, of course, like I'm not in the room with the with the producers or the label people or execs, but it's like it's for her, and it's like yeah. imagery was just so funny. <laughs> it's but like, because yeah. like because I have, like I'm a I'm a fan of her mom and the family, <laughs> I could I could see like and, and and let's be let's be clear, they are like deep in Kojic. There's like y'all seen the Clark Sisters movie. Y'all seen how bad they was when they just went to the Grammys with them sequin dresses on, singing mm-hmm. Halloween, shouting. Imagine what they're doing with Kiara, who's trying to be sexy now. Right. So, like, me personally, I am a Kiara Sheard fan. It just feels mm-hmm. like she is chasing you don't know that came out in 2005. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's but, really unfortunate. But I will say, her, the only other album that I, I can say that was probably close to that would be her um now this is what this is with the expect, exception of her newest album we're going to talk about that i haven't listened to it yet mm-hmm. i listened to one song um but what was the song free she won her first stellar award for free mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and that was a studio slash live album i didn't really dig a lot of the studio stuff but i loved the um the live portions of the, of the album. Right. Um, and her brother produced it, Jay Drew. He produced Jay a Drew. majority of the album. Interestingly enough, she's a grown woman, but she's still mm-hmm. being marketed like, like it's a child. cool for young people to be saved. Like, mm-hmm. no, she's like 30-something. Like. She, that's it. I, that's what Kiara shared and I are the same age. <laughs> like, we are nice. the same age. It's not like, <laughs> and it's You look at it and you go like, oh, she's, that girl for the kids. It's like, she is an adult. But it still feels like she's a church kid artist and not mm-hmm. a woman. Like, she didn't have that transition. And because she was a kid when she came out, I'm trying to think if there's been any other child gospel artists, modern time, because the last child gospel artist that transitioned from being a child to an adult that I, I know of was Shirley Caesar. And <laughs> Shirley Caesar been sounding that way since she was 12. This is true. <laughs> so that's the that's the only person I can call to to memory, but it it's like nothing helped her because in in the secular industry when you want to transition you just do edgier music. You this do is true. Edgier things. Oh, and, that's a great point, Dan. Right, you you do point. you do something to show the world you're mature. Um, mm-hmm. But because of who she is and her placement within the Church of God in Christ, her mom being Karen Clark Shear, her dad being Bishop J. Drew Shear, who's on the general board, which is one of the highest boards in the Church of God in Christ. Um, there's stuff that she can't do. So how, how was she able to... I mean, I think she tried. I forgot what album this was, but she like cut all her hair off at one point. And, and uh, she it, tried it might to have rap. been the album afterward. Uh, was it the album afterward? I think before before Freeze when she did all that. But afterwards she tried to come um with the album Graceland. Yes, where, Graceland. I remember buying Graceland. Graceland was yeah. the album. 
Graceland is it, a very it solid was a album. Solid, it was a solid album. I don't know why people slept on that so much. Well, because if I mean it, in the in the nature was, of the it, yeah, it was after free. That was too much. After free, she took a turn, and it was like I'm trying to be. I'm trying to sound grown up, guys. Right. And it's like right. no. Nah, and the church was like, nope, no, nope. You're a child. Nope. Right. Right. <laughs> you stay there. And I just, I just wish it was something that she could do as an artist that wouldn't be too much for the church. Maybe, maybe it is Hollywood. Maybe it is Hollywood. Maybe, maybe that's that's the next step for her to. That might be her. That might be her. For people to see lane. her as an adult. Maybe she, she has to do go a few more movies. Yeah, yeah. She has to transition into a different um, space where we can see her as an adult, and then the music can follow as okay she she makes grown-up music like she makes right. grown-up songs so i hmm, that is good because now i'm thinking i'm reflecting on different gospel artists like i'm thinking mm-hmm. about mary mary i i just mm-hmm. think mary mary from from top to bottom as a gospel duo a gospel group they have had I know they say the Clark sisters are what the highest selling. Did they say the Clark sisters are they a highest selling? I don't know. I don't highest know. selling uh, gospel group. Um, I I don't know if that with Mary Mary because Mary 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 is going going platinum. Yeah, Mary Mary is going platinum. Mary they, Mary has had the model career for gospel I, artists that have gone mainstream. You, Mary 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 has been marketed, and a lot of this has to do they. Okay, so Mary Mary has been marketed perfectly. Yeah, like there, yes. there from has top to bottom, right? Top to bottom. The only missteps have been personal missteps from like Tina, but other than that, <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, like. Erica has kind of held it together, so we forget it. Yeah. So, so Mary Mary, as a, a duo and a gospel duo, they have been marketed from their beginning, from shackles to now. They have been, it's that been executed so well because we've gone with them like, we've gone right. with them being young women, young saved women who are like cute and I mm-hmm. sing by buddy, you know, them little, them yep. little like songs and stuff that's like, oh, I'm going to the, remember the little Christian clubs they had? Yep. This was not my age group. This is the age group in front of me, before me. The I ex- was telling. Right, the, ex- the ex-Christian. This is the Hezekiah Walker Yeah, I was the group. one in there that was too young to be there. Right, you, <laughs> and they had little Christian clubs. You could go like 16, 17, and they would play. They serve you a little apple juice or some stuff. Yep. You could read some poetry. And it was a place for young people to gather. They were like the soundtrack for that. Um, and then they transitioned into being wives and mothers. And, and then they put out I'm walking. Yeah, it's like they just which they just is like transitioned so well. I was like, what? They have <laughs> really been able to to in ways that Kiera has not. Well, if you look at it also, um, look at their husbands. Warren Campbell specifically does a lot of production for them. Warren Campbell Yo, what? has an extensive background in what the church will call that secular music. Yes. Yes, he does. Warren Campbell has a shout out 
on late registration from Kanye. Let me pull up. I have he to says, Go ahead. Warren Campbell and the keys, y'all. Yo, you're lying. You're lying. By the song entitled, uh, if I'm Namistic, Late. We mm-hmm. Major. No, We Major. We Major. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know what? I believe you. I'm going to go back and listen to it. Go back and listen to I'm gonna go back We and Major. To if you look at the liner notes, I do believe he has a production credit on there. Okay. Um, See, the Mary's money is long, baby. Mary, Mary's money. Mary Mary's money is long because it's Campbell money. Also, you and, and, you, and you know you know who's behind the magic, and people are seeing her name more often. Um, if you pay attention to all the Clark sister stuff, you've been watching her name, Doctor Holly Carter. Doctor mm-hmm. Holly Carter mm-hmm. was Mary Mary's manager. She was Usher's manager um, for, during I think during the eighty seven oh one period of Usher. Um, and maybe a little bit of confessions time or the confession time. Dr. Holly Carter was his manager. I'm going to look up those dates so I don't get, you know, misquoted so bad. Um, Mary, Mary, and who else does she have? She had, she had a high clientele. She she had everything. Um, And she, she knew how to market and package people. Yeah. She has something to do with Fresh Prince as well. But, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, like those people, look at how they're marketed. Yep. Look at how they're marketed. Yep. Like when you look at them, you're like, they're marketed well. Right. Somebody has their hands. Right. Somebody is somebody is being intentional in the way that they market this particular particular person. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been interesting that they have been persons instead of choirs. And I think that going back uh, to when we say slept yeah. on. Tying back into that question, Ricky Dillard, I would say choir wise to people that know choirs, he's not slept. No, he's not. But in the, in the 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 entire umbrella of gospel music, yes, he has slept on. Yeah, yes, he has slept on. Um, because Ricky is the one that okay, y'all do y'all little all right, Marvin Sapp, go out there sing. Never would have made it. All right, <laughs> uh, Clark sisters, y'all or Dorinda, you get up and do your jig, drive that song, shout a little bit. But when we want to have a church at the end of a seller award, we bring they always Ricky call Dillard. Ricky. We bring when when we want to have we want to remind the world what gospel the roots of gospel music is. We bring out Ricky Dillard. So yes, I would say in that in that respect, because they can't like I mean, how can you market a choir? You can't. There's so many people you can There's market so many a people. person. There's moving parts. Yep. Um, choirs interchange people throughout yep. time. Like things happen. There's a lot of people to take account for. Um, in more in most choirs, um, large choirs, everybody's not getting paid. That's what I was thinking. I was like, how are these people getting paid? Are they doing this out the kindness of their hearts? Because it's like I I look at especially the greatness of certain choirs. Mm-hmm. Now, if you belong to some little community choir and y'all perform in front of 10 people on a couple of Sundays out the week, I don't expect y'all to get paid. Um, Absolutely. But when I look at Ricky Dillard's choir, like everybody should be getting something. Everybody should mm-hmm. be collecting a check. Everybody should be making some type of money. And I do wonder, how is that possible? Because, I mean, we've seen choirs break up like Kurt Franklin and the fam. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I don't know if that happened with Radical for Christ, but Fred, but oh, wow, I forgot <laughs> we don't even know what happened. Radical for Christ, they was on they one just of them. We ain't see them. We ain't see them since. We it's just the, Fred. <laughs> well, a lot of times that's true. <laughs> a lot of times, what happens is um, the people getting paid are the mm-hmm. people you see torn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the the large choir is who you'll see on the the recording. Mm-hmm. So with the recording of the and nine times out of ten, little sneaky secret for you guys. Um, when gospel artists record a live recording, that is not for the sound. Oh yeah, you should know audience, that by now, guys. pumpkins. For that's the, that's the, for us to be hype about the music. Yeah, they want to get the audience participation on that. Ninety percent of what that choir sounds like does not make the album, so it's really <laughs> <laughs> all them people you see up there. You cannot hear them. Mm-mm. So if you take Ricky Diller, the, yep, yeah, you take Ricky Diller for example in the album before this when he had the recording um, going on. There's a group of people that are standing in the front on mics. Mm-hmm. You're right. Their You're sound right. from the live recording is probably on the album. Same thing as, but before this album was done, right? They recorded all those songs in the studio, right? So what we hear is a mix of studio and live, and it's more studio, and that's why it's so tight. And it's like, well, how did they get this so tight? And they're all live. They didn't. It didn't sound like this. <laughs> it live. did not. It did not sound like that at all. So people should know, hopefully by now, that the gospel album that you listen to—not album, but the gospel song you listen to—is nowhere near the sound of the live recording mm-hmm. because it yeah that came out extremely different than what you thought right right it's it's it like if you were to hear some of these live recordings you wouldn't you wouldn't want to be a fan no more <laughs> good god that. this you was terrible no more yeah because we all hype we shouting we falling mm-hmm. out we clapping and carrying on come on we sweating yep Hair pieces going one way, makeup going the other way. You think people is really like still singing in the correct key by the end yeah, of the they're night? Not, they're gone. It's it's gone. So when After you see them touring on their feet for that long, that yeah. long for an hour and a half, yeah. Mm-hmm. The people you see touring are the people that are getting paid. Yeah, those are okay. the those twelve people. Those mm-hmm. are probably the people getting the check. That makes sense. That makes sense. Because they're probably it's weird. Another music. A lot of gospel is tied into industry stuff. And it's mm-hmm. like when it gets down to it, gospel industry is the, it's it's all about money. So, again, Ricky Dillard might be signed, but we don't know the details of his deal. So right. it could quite possibly be Ricky Dillard is signed or it's Ricky Dillard is signed and New G is signed. But New G is a group of people. Because, mm, you know, you know how I found that particular type of deal out. Um, Ty Tribbett and Greater Anointing. Absolutely. Ty, the forefathers Ty, of, of my, my generation. To, yes. <laughs> so the, the choir, hyphy choir, like culture, mm-hmm. that really came out of, I'll say Jersey first because that's where Ty is from. Yes. Jersey, Philly, I'll give them that. Delaware. We made it popular. Philly made it popular. Philly put, Philly put them on because we had more musicians and more We people. had more musicians. And, and we had a bigger market. Right. So Ty came to Philly with that. Right. Right. And because, and, and unless you are old head, 
not old head, but yeah, unless you're old head, listen to the gospel music station, you'd know Ty's mom, Nisi. Mm-hmm. Nisi, shout out to when, Nisi. Right. She had the most popular gospel music radio um, mm-hmm. on the air in the 90s, where like people be listen, listening from Philly to the outskirts of Philly to Jersey to Delaware, yep. everywhere in between. <clears throat> she was she had that you know platform so she could say my son Ty Tribbett my son so that kind of mm-hmm. gave him a little bit of platform as well but that whole culture that came out of Philly they yep. came out of Jersey they came out of Delaware that so when you see your choir back in the early 2000s jumping around everybody had locks and swinging ta- and, and swinging towels and stuff I was one of them please know <laughs> that came from us that was so, us Hey, Saints. How y'all like the episode? Let me know your thoughts. Hit me up on Twitter at Dom underscore Devereaux. You can hit me up on Instagram at the same handle at Dom underscore Devereaux. Also, you can hit Jerome up at Mr. J. Scott on Twitter. That's his Twitter handle. And you can hit him up on Instagram at Rome in a day. So thank you for tuning in once again, Saints. Until next time, good morning, Saints.